We turn in God's Word again this week to the first chapter of Luke, Luke 1. We read last time the first 25 verses of this chapter. This week we'll start at verse 26 and we'll read through verse 45. The text for the sermon is verses 39 through 45. The last verses that we will read. Due to the length of it, I will not reread the text. So I ask that you pay special attention to verses 39 through 45. Luke 1, verse 26, And in the sixth month, The angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, As soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb, 
for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Thus far we read God's holy and inerrant word. May God add His blessing upon the reading of His holy Scriptures. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the words of the text that God gives us to consider this night are the words of one expectant mother as she addresses another expectant mother. These words have sadly been misunderstood and thus misapplied throughout much of church history. This misunderstanding and misapplication of these words has resulted in the veneration and the worship of Mary. It has resulted in the commonly held misunderstanding that Mary is a mediator, and if we are going to go unto Jesus, speak unto Jesus in prayer, that we have to go through Mary to Jesus. But rightly understood, it is my prayer and my trust that these words will stir us up. Stir us up not to venerate Mary, not to give unto Mary any more than what ought to be given her, but rightly understood these words will stir us up to worship Jehovah God. For even as was confessed in verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Blessed among women, we consider those words of Elizabeth to Mary, blessed among women. First we'll see the salutation that Mary gave to Elizabeth. Then we'll see the Spirit-filled response of Elizabeth as she responds to Mary. And then we'll see the Spirit's work in the unborn baby leaping for joy. Blessed among women, the salutation given, Spirit-filled response, leaping for joy. For us to understand these words that Elizabeth spoke as she proclaimed to Mary that Mary would be blessed among women, we must know something of the context here in which these words were spoken. The angel Gabriel has been sent of God down to this earth. He's been sent unto a region called Galilee, part of the land of Canaan. 
And within Galilee, he is sent sent specifically to a small town named Nazareth. In Nazareth, this angel Gabriel is commissioned by God to go to the home of Mary. Now, who's Mary? At this point, Mary is yet a young woman. We don't know precisely how old she was, perhaps, in her older teenage years, it would not have been uncommon for people at that age to be getting married at that point in Bible history. Perhaps she's 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. Mary is not married at this point, but she is espoused to a man named Joseph. Joseph is another citizen of the town of Nazareth. Joseph is a carpenter in that town. So the angel Gabriel sent by God appears miraculous or appears unto Mary and he has a startling message for Mary. Mary, and and we can understand this, Mary, upon receiving this visit from the angel Gabriel, is startled. She doesn't quite know how to respond to this visit sent to her from on high. The text tells us, the, the Word of God tells us even that she is troubled by receiving this visit. Verse 29, and when she, Mary, saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind, tried to figure out in her mind what the manner or meaning of this salutation would be. Why is it that this angel has come unto me and just told me that I'm going to be highly favored among women? The angel went on to comfort Mary, exhorted her to fear not, and then told her the reason for his visit. You are going to have a son. This is not going to be an ordinary son. This will be a special son. The child who will be in your womb is to be named Jesus. And Jesus is going to be the Son of the Highest. Indeed, He will be the Son of God. So Mary has just been informed, number one, she's having a child. Number two, this child that she's going to have is going to be exceptional, unique. He'll be God's Son. Number three, she is told that the manner in which this child will be conceived in her womb will be unique. Unlike the way any pregnancy has ever occurred in history preceding or history following this event. She would not conceive 
by way of physical union between her and a male. But instead, the angel informed Mary that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, would overshadow her, cover her as if like a blanket that covers an individual. The Holy Ghost would overshadow her and place within her womb this child who would be the Son of God. It's as if the angel Gabriel anticipated that Mary would be shook to her core upon hearing such a report. So then the angel Gabriel immediately preceded to inform her to whom she could turn for help at this time. She mentioned her cousin. Verse 36, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. How would Mary process such a report? Imagine that you were in that situation. And an angel came to you and delivered such a shocking report unto you. It's understandable, is it not, that Mary would need some time to think about and digest this report given to her from on high. Me, pregnant, after never having been with another man, pregnant because the Holy Ghost has has or will overshadowed me, It's striking how Mary responded to this. She didn't go tell others about it. In today's world, she did not put a post on Facebook or Instagram or send out a tweet that she had just received this message. She told no one. Similar to after Jesus Christ is born, when it says that Mary pondered these things in her heart, so likewise Mary kept these things to herself. It's striking that she did not even tell her husband-to-be about this visit from on high. Joseph was not informed that Mary would carry within her womb the child of God. A little bit later, Joseph is going to come to understand that she is pregnant. And when he understands this, he's going to seek to put her away privately, lest unnecessary shame be brought upon them. But then at that time, Joseph will receive a special visit from an angel. And at that time, Joseph will be informed 
that the child within Mary's womb is Jesus, the Son of God. But at this point, Joseph does not know. Instead, Mary took off on a trip. Having heard from the angel Gabriel that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant, the Word of God informs us that she made haste and took off into the hill country, into a city of Judah. If we may understand here that the city of Judah is the city of, the city that is Judah, the city of Judah, then it would be approximately 90, 93 miles from the city of Nazareth to the city of Judah. It would have taken Mary several days, perhaps even a week or two, for Mary to walk that distance to Judah. It's in that context, then, that Mary comes into the home of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and she gives salutation unto her cousin Elizabeth. Now before we look at specifically this, the meaning of this salutation, first consider briefly who is Elizabeth here. Elizabeth also is a pregnant woman. But Elizabeth is at a different stage of life than where Mary was at. Whereas Mary was young, perhaps a teenager or lower 20s, the Word teaches us that Elizabeth was an older woman. Elizabeth was married unto Zacharias, who was well known as the priest, who would go into the temple and who would offer sacrifices in fulfillment of his priestly duties. Zacharias and Elizabeth were well advanced in years, but also they were well known throughout the community as being a godly and a pious couple. That is taught to us earlier in Luke chapter 1, Luke 1 verse 6. And they, Zacharias and Elizabeth, were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. So here's this older couple. They're childless. But it's evident that this older childless couple has not withdrawn from the life of the kingdom of God. They didn't live on the outside, the outskirts of the church, but they they devoted themselves unto the life and care of the church. You were righteous. Righteous, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And so now here comes Mary, young, into the presence of Elizabeth, old, wise, respected, And the Word of God tells us that Mary gave salutation to Elizabeth. 
The text emphasizes this salutation as well the response that was elicited from this salutation. The text emphasizes it by repeating it three times over. We read in verse 40, that Mary entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Again in verse 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And then it's repeated a third time in verse 44. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. How we wouldn't love to know what the content of that salutation was. What did Mary say that prompted Elizabeth to respond with this blessing that she pronounced upon her and that was used to prompt this child inside the womb to leap for joy? We don't know. But we don't need to know. The word translated here as salutation simply means greetings. Hello. Perhaps at that time, shalom. Peace to you. The salutation must be understood as being a term of affection and endearment. We might think when we hear the word salutation, we might think of a military salute. That the soldier, when somebody of higher rank comes by him, then the soldier has to give the salute to him. Regardless of whether that soldier cares about the person who has rank on him, regardless of whether the soldier is affectionate towards him, cares about his well-being, the duty of the soldier is give the salute or else. But that's not the idea here of salutation. It's not as if this was something that was required of Mary unto Elizabeth. It was forced out of her. No, the term speaks of warmth and affection that evidently was between these cousins. This word salutation is translated elsewhere in God's Word as embrace. To draw one close to yourself in a hug. Acts 20 verse 1, it's translated that way. Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. A salutation was not necessarily a lengthy greeting. It could simply have been a few words. Hello, my dear, beloved friend. But it was sufficient to convey the love 
that Mary had in her heart for Elizabeth. Before we proceed to see the response, the Spirit-filled response, let's pause to note here the respect that both of these women had for the yet unborn children inside their wombs. If Mary and Elizabeth had been alive today, they could have walked down to the abortion clinic. And they could have had the life removed from their womb. Mary is single. She's a pregnant, possible teenager who's going to take care of this child. Elizabeth would be considered a high-risk pregnancy. She's old. And now she's bearing a child. We shudder at the thought of what happens in our Western culture, the sin of which we corporately as a nation are responsible for committing. Thanks be to God that God spared the lives of these children within the womb that both Elizabeth and Mary respected the lives of John the Baptist and of Jesus. The salutation given by Mary to Elizabeth evoked a spirit-filled response from both mother and son. We begin by looking at the spirit-filled response of Elizabeth. Verse 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. All Mary has done is given greetings unto Elizabeth, and immediately the Holy Ghost descends and fills Elizabeth up. Three different ways in which we see the evidence of the immediate and powerful operations of the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth. First of all, we see evidence of the Spirit in Elizabeth in this fact that Elizabeth knew certain details of Mary's life. Apart from Mary sharing these details with her, suddenly Elizabeth knows that Mary is with child. Elizabeth knows that Mary is the mother of her Lord. Verse 43, Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What is the explanation for how Elizabeth could know that the mother of her Lord came to visit her. The only thing at this point that Mary knows is that 
or that Elizabeth knows, is that Mary has given greetings, salutation unto her. The Spirit gave her to know. The second evidence of the Spirit's work in Elizabeth is seen in this fact that she responded with humility. Whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Striking that in this situation, Elizabeth did not have a heart that was filled with envy. She could have been envious from a human perspective. Could have been envious because, in the first place, she's far more advanced in years, in knowledge, and in understanding than Mary. She's old enough to qualify as the Titus II woman who is to be a teacher, instructing the young mothers to love their husbands, love their children, be keepers at home, be chaste, obedient. It would have been possible that Elizabeth could have had bitterness in her heart that she had not been given children earlier on in life, and now as she hears of this teenager who is with child, she would become upset that the Lord had not given that unto her earlier in her life. In addition, she very well could have become upset because of the two expectant women, the greater privilege the greater honor was bestowed upon Mary. Mary would be the one who would be blessed among women. Not Elizabeth. And so it's, it's understandable, is it not, that Elizabeth, as this young woman comes knocking on her door and gives salutations that Elizabeth would have responded in that situation with a flash of bitterness, of anger, of being upset that she was not privileged to have such an honorary position. But the fact that she responded with the words of humility, whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come visit me, indicates that the Holy Spirit was at work in the life of Elizabeth. Oh, that God would give us that same measure of the Spirit. That when we respond to the news of others, we do not become jealous of their successes. We do not become envious of the measure that God has given unto them, but that we would rejoice with them in their rejoicing. The third evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of Elizabeth at this point is the fact that she spoke. 
text tells us she was filled with the Spirit, and then immediately after that, she spoke. Verse 41 concludes, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is it not? As the Spirit grips our hearts, and the Spirit gives unto us a conviction for truth, and an appreciation and a love for what God has performed for us in Jesus Christ, then we cannot help but speak of what God has done for us. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Ghost, spake. And the words that she spake were a blessing unto Mary. We look now at those words contained in verse 42. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. What was this blessedness that belonged unto Mary. The blessedness did not consist, it could not have consisted in the exceptional holiness or even the perfection of Mary. It was not the blessedness that Elizabeth pronounced upon Mary. We may know and we may believe that Mary was a holy Woman, yes. Even the fact that she was concerned about purity in her relationship with Joseph, to whom she was espoused. The fact that she could testify to the angel, I have not been with a man. So, humanly speaking, it's not possible that I would be with child that indicates the holiness of Mary. But it does not indicate that Mary was blessed because of exceptional, beyond ordinary holiness or even perfection. But Mary was a sinner, just like any other human being born on this earth. Jesus accepted. Twelve years later, Mary's own son would correct her. Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And then later on at a wedding feast of Cana in Galilee, Jesus would correct Mary yet again. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. John chapter 2. So if the blessedness of Mary did not consist in the fact that she was of herself perfect or even exceptionally holy beyond anyone else on the earth at that point in time, then what was her blessedness? Elizabeth tells us what her blessedness was. The blessedness was that Mary was privileged to be the mother of God's only begotten Son. 
That was Mary's blessedness. Verse 43, Elizabeth explains, And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Out of all of the women upon the face of the earth throughout all of history, however many millions, billions of women that have walked upon the face of this planet, God singled out Mary. Of the royal line of David, herself a fallen sinner who would need to be redeemed by the blood of her own Son, God determined that she would be the mother of His Son. The mother of my Lord. Mother in every sense of the Word. We mustn't imagine that Mary was like a a container or a box in which or through which Jesus Christ was delivered into this world. At this time, delivery companies, FedEx, UPS, make a lot of money as all the business occurs for the holidays, shopping, purchasing things off of Amazon, and there's excitement when you see that there's a package outside the door. And so you go and you quickly open up the package and what's inside of the package. And then the package itself is discarded. The package, the box, is simply a vehicle by which that item arrived at your house. Some have portrayed Mary in such a way that Mary was like unto a container, a vessel. And, and by that vessel of Mary's womb, God sent, directed His Son into this world. But that does not do justice to what the Word of God teaches here. Mary would be the mother of my Lord Elizabeth testify. Mother, that means that Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, would partake of the very nature of Mary. Jesus would be flesh of her flesh and bone of her bones. Jesus Christ would bear a resemblance unto His mother. Jesus Christ would be raised up by this woman who had been called, appointed by God to be His mother. Jesus would be instructed by this mother, nurtured by this mother, held in this mother's arms, fed with milk from this mother. In every sense of the word, Mary was the mother of Jesus. And that was the blessedness of Mary's position. Who can fathom such a thought? 
that God would single out this woman and send an angel to her and tell her, you are going to bear my son. How amazing. The sense of amazement was not lost on the unborn child in the womb of Elizabeth. But the text tells us that little John the Baptist leaped for joy. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And again, verse 44, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. This is the very first recorded activity of the great prophet. We saw last time in Luke 1, 15-17 when the angel came unto Zacharias in the temple that Zacharias was informed that he would have a son and that he would be great in the sight of the Lord. Entirely appropriate, is it not, that the very first action of this great prophet is a leap for joy as he is brought into the presence of his Savior. At this point in Elizabeth's pregnancy, the Word tells us that she was about six months along. Like we would have been a little bit past six months at this point. She was at six months when the angel Gabriel appeared unto Mary. Now some time has transpired as Mary has traveled from Nazareth unto the home of Zacharias and Elizabeth. So perhaps another week or two has gone by. That being the case, then Elizabeth would be about 25 or 26 weeks along in her pregnancy. At that point in pregnancy, it is not uncommon for unborn babies to become more active. Mothers can feel babies stretching and moving inside of their wombs. Generally, this movement inside the womb is well received for it is an indication to the mother that the baby is alive and we trust that the baby is healthy inside of the womb. However, we must be careful not to assume that simply because Elizabeth was some 25 or 26 weeks along at this point, that the movement of John inside of her womb was due to natural reasons. It wasn't as if, well, John was just feeling particularly active at that point in time, or it wasn't just that, well, maybe Elizabeth had drank some orange juice or something, and that caused the baby to become more active inside the womb. It's not because of just natural explanation or natural reasoning that John the Baptist moved inside of the womb. 
But instead, John's movement here is because of the Holy Spirit working within him. We read in verse 41, the babe leaped in her womb, and immediately after that, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. The fact that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and that she has this baby inside of her womb means that if Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, then John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy that the angel had given earlier in this chapter. In Luke 1, verse 15, when the angel appeared to Zacharias in the temple, the angel informed Zacharias that he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And now we have the fulfillment of those words. Before he came forth into this world, before he spoke a single word as the great forerunner of Jesus Christ, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. What a comfort this is to parents who have gone through the heartbreaking experience of losing a child in the womb. Before this child even comes forth into the world, we may have no reason to doubt but that the Holy Ghost was already at work in that child. John, filled with the Holy Ghost, leaped. His leap within the womb shows the power of the Word. All Mary did was spoke. She gave salutation unto Elizabeth. And that spoken word from Mary unto Elizabeth was enough to evoke this leap of joy from John the Baptist. Who knows how God uses the Word. The Word as it's preached in His house. The Word as it's read around the dinner table for the salvation of children who are yet unborn. The leap shows as well the fact that John was worshiping his Lord and his Savior. Verse 44 tells us that he leaped in the womb for joy. Joy is what motivated him to move, have that startling, quick movement inside of the mother's womb. 
joy at the fact that he was in the presence of his Lord and of his Savior. Joy at the fact that this Son of God and Son of Mary will lay down his life at the cross in order to redeem his people from their sins. Behold, the omnipotence, the grace, and the wonder of God in salvation. He works in ways that are beyond what we are capable of controlling. He works in ways that are beyond what we are capable even of imagining. May God graciously continue establishing His covenant with believers and with their seed. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy work of saving us and our children. Father, we confess we do not deserve to have any of our children with us in heaven. For we, as sinful parents, pass from one generation to the next that hereditary disease of a depraved nature. We thank Thee that in Thy grace Thou dost not deal with us as we deserve to be dealt, but that for Jesus' sake Thou dost graciously pardon our sins and the sins of all of Thy children. Bless Thy Word to our hearts. Bless the Christmas program here shortly. And then send us home later on with Thy blessing. For Jesus' sake, Amen.